I love technology. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Um, so the title of today's message is continuing on our theme of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at walking in the Spirit. Um, on Friday night, I was out with a couple of friends every so often, a couple of times a year, I meet my dental friends and we catch up and we chat and we, yeah, we do. We talk a little bit about teeth and we check in with how each other is. But I've noticed that each time we meet, I've noticed a pattern. Um, and each time we meet at some stage in the evening, someone tells a lie and the rest of us agree with it. <laughs> and at some time, at some stage, every time we meet, someone declares, none of us have changed a bit. <laughs> we're all just the same as we were. And now I've known these girls for 27 years, so we must have changed <laughs> somewhat. Um, sometimes I do a thing with clients where we make a timeline and we think of um, different stages in our lives and I've done it for myself as well and I suppose as we've been reflecting on this journey of the Holy Spirit there would be moments in the timeline which are very very significant um, and I know I have changed so I, ha I would be lying to say that I haven't um, the way I think has changed the way I see things has changed the way I love has changed, the way I pray has changed, the things I do, my priorities, I, I have changed. Um, and hopefully still changing. Um, it's quite a journey. And um, from becoming a Christian, um, this is very fancy, from becoming a Christian where you enter this realm of the spirit, as the NIV puts it, um, I'm just going to maybe start by reading from Romans chapter 8, verse 9. It says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. You are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. So whenever I became a Christian, I entered into this realm of the Spirit, or I am in the Spirit from that point. And the Holy Spirit is the agent of change and we participate so it's been wonderful to just reflect on our journey David and I of learning about the Holy Spirit and David has shared bits and pieces of our journey from you know learning about um, first hearing that these gifts of the Holy Spirit. I remember David coming to me and saying, you know, 
I wonder what this is about and us going on that journey of exploring like what what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit what does baptism in the Spirit mean what are these gifts about and gradually there was an exciting journey of of learning and experiencing and encountering the Holy Spirit and there's those real um, moments of wonderful marked encounter those um, more dramatic moments and um, there's also this daily walking daily life in the spirit this walking in the spirit in the everyday ordinary life and within that there is a journey of change so walking in the spirit actually means life in the spirit some translations will just say life in the spirit live in the spirit So it's a journey of change. And the, the road is not often as straight as that, let's, let's be honest. Often it's an incline and there's challenges and there's, diff there's difficulties. And I love this from last week because it's the start of a journey when we enter the realm of the Spirit, when we become Christians and first encounter the Holy Spirit. But Gordon Fee says it well, we receive the spirit at, conver at conversion. Divine perfection doesn't set in, but div divine infection does. We've been invaded by the living God himself in the person of his spirit, whose goal is to infect us thoroughly with God's own likeness. I wish it was just a zap and you suddenly became perfect, but it's, it's a process. And I suppose they call it the process of spiritual formation in Christ-likeness. That that's God's goal for us, that Christ would be formed in us. So instead of that lovely straight road, it's more like this. We'd love it to be the straight line graph, but it's just not. And there is a bit of a process with it. Our, our, in our profession as counsellors, we love this term, trust the process. And I've come to really believe it in lots of different areas and in, in this area as well. There is a process, but the Lord wants to renovate our hearts by Christ's empowering presence. My question today, I suppose, is what is our role in that? I just want to show you these couple of books. Right on cue. One of them is called Renovation of the Heart. That's one of our one of my favorite authors Dallas Willard and this one is God's empowering presence so it's a bit more hefty this one's David's um, but they're brilliant um, brilliant books about the Holy Spirit and they both they both work together because that's what it's all about the renovation of our hearts but the agent of change it's not us alone trying to trying to work it all and to, to change ourselves. We have God's empowering presence. Um, so we're, the question is, what, what, the, what is our role in all this? So just going to um, Galatians. I'm actually going to read quite a few um, verses out of Galatians.
Galatians chapter 5, the sort of heading, subheading here is, starting on, on verse 13, it's life by the Spirit. I'm actually going to start at verse 16. So it says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there's no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And over into chapter 6, talks about sowing. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So this sowing and reaping is interesting. I remember my granny had, a, had this in a frame um, in one of the rooms upstairs. And it actually used to scare me a little bit. This is quite a, a sobering um, verse. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So I, I can still picture the, the framed verse in Granny's bedroom. And I think it just made some sort of an imprint, even though I, I didn't know Jesus at this time. Didn't really know what it meant. So... As I, the question I posed, God has given us his spirit. What's our role? We are to be filled with the spirit. You know, David spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, being filled with the spirit. And actually it's con being continuously filled with the spirit. Continuously being filled. And we're to walk in the spirit. It says in Galatians 5 that we are to walk in the spirit or live in the spirit. Galatians 6, it says we're to sow to the Spirit. 
And in Galatians 5, it says we are to keep in step with the Spirit. So there are things that we have to do, but it's all by the Spirit. And there's, there's an element of process then with that, an element of learning. But what God wants for us is fruit and freedom and flourishing and all those lovely characteristics that we read about, the love, joy and peace. Beautiful. He wants us to be the best humans that we can be and to be formed into the likeness of Jesus, to be renovated in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He wants good things for us. He's a good Good father. The diagram of the straight line and the, the process with wiggles and squiggles, we don't want to get stuck in one of those little squiggles. We want to keep making progress. <coughs> and I find that the key to these and just the key to walking in the spirit and not getting stuck and keeping walking is this passage from verse from Psalm 16. I'm just going to read um, from verse 5 to 8. And this is verse 8. And I think this is really, really key. Most of you know that I have strange dreams every Saturday night, and usually it's someone from church. <laughs> Last night I dreamt about a key, <laughs> and it was a key with a Nordic key ring. Really, really random, but um, just thought I would share that with you. But the key here is the key to walking in the Spirit, the key to being filled with the Spirit, the key to keeping walking, not getting stuck, keeping in step with the Spirit is this. It says, You, Lord, alone are my portion and my cup. From verse 5. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. That's it, guys. That's the key that I feel the Lord has just been impressing on me through this week. To keep our eyes always on the Lord. Keeping Jesus front and centre is the key to walking in the Spirit. It's hard to keep your eyes always on the Lord because we're looking at what is not on what is seen but on what is unseen. Second Corinthians 4, it says, we do not lose heart. Our, outwardly, we're wasting away, but inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. We fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen. And we walk by faith, not by sight. So there's a lot of distractions. There are things that can... Just take our eyes off Jesus. But how can we keep in step with the Spirit if our eyes have, have wandered off the one that we're following? So keeping Jesus front and centre is the key to walking in the Spirit.
And some of you, perhaps, I know I have at times, have felt almost like um, you're stuck in one of these, almost that you're, the word and the phrase that came to mind through the week twice was lost in Ikea. You know that feeling where you're just going round and round and round and it's a nightmare. Um, And there's no way out, but actually, um, perhaps you've experienced that feeling of feeling stuck. And there are things that can hinder us, that can keep us stuck. Um, But I'd just like to say it doesn't mean you're not in the realm of the spirit. It doesn't mean that you are in, and I'm just going to go to Romans 7, okay? In Romans 7, Paul talks about wanting to do good and not being able to. This is when he is under the law. This is not when he is in the realm of the Spirit. It says, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it. It's sin living in me. I know what good itself does. The good itself does not dwell in me, in my sinful nature. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. And I think the reason that, that David and feel so strongly about this is because if you, if you take that as to where you're at, there's a sense of hopelessness. This is, just the, this is just the way I am. But not so for us guys who are in the realm of the Spirit. We're in Romans chapter 8. We've entered the realm of the Spirit and we have God's empowering presence living within us so we do not have to be stuck in any of these, we do not have to be lost in Ikea because of God's empowering presence. Now what I've found and experienced sometimes myself is that these are the things that very often can keep, keep us stuck, can take our eyes off Jesus and, and cause us to, to just veer to the side and give us that sense of feeling stuck. Distractions, the cares of this world, fears, disappointments, challenges, behaviors, or old habits, hopelessness, shame, pain, injustice, and even desires. Not exhaustive, but I've seen these a lot. And you can add to it anything that comes to your mind. What are the things that just knock you off course and and keep you stuck and take your eyes off Jesus? Remember that key from Psalm 16. I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right side. At my right hand, I will not be shaken. So 
these things can take our eyes and cause us to lose our focus from Jesus, from the Lord who we are following. Just going to look at a couple of them. Desires and behaviours I'm going to look at. Desires. Now, not all desires are bad. <laughs> many, many desires are good. Um, but as we follow Jesus, there's one thing about this, um, this road of following him. And we don't carry a rucksack. What we're called to carry is a cross. And there has to be a daily dying to self or selfish desires. So some desires are cultural and worldly because of the world system that we are a part of. Um, for example, money or power, prestige, things like that. Um, but not, not all desires are bad, but they can preoccupy us so that Jesus is not front and center, takes our eyes off Jesus. I remember, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. Anything that takes the place on the throne of your heart where Jesus should be is something that is something that takes our eyes off Jesus. So when a desire takes the place in our thinking before our eyes, even if it's a good desire, even if it's a desire to serve God, if it's taken the place on the throne of our hearts, then it's something that, that we need to, to release to God. Dallas Willard says that either our desires or Jesus is on the throne of our hearts. It's challenging. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. Matthew 16, 24. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And Luke 9.23, Mark 8.34, it's the same. This calling to deny ourselves, it's a non-negotiable. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, must. It's just the way it is. You have to. There's no choice. So on this journey, on this road, we're told that we have to pick up our cross daily and follow Jesus. I was listening to something from John Mark Comer, and he said that he has begun this practice of when he's praying, when he is um, struggling with desires that are not, um, that are taking the place of Jesus on the throne of his heart, and even if they're good desires, and he gets on his knees before God and he visualizes Jesus before him. And then he visualizes himself just handing those desires over to Jesus. Keep my eyes always on the Lord. 
So desires, number one. Thing that we're looking at there, which can distract us or keep our eyes off the Lord. Another one is habits <laughs> or behaviours. Now Ephesians 4, it talks about putting off the old and putting on the new. Again, these are things that we must do. Not on our own, but by Christ's empowering presence, by the Spirit. There are some things that we must do. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it says, Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and be made new in the attitude of your minds. Put on the new self. So, so there are things we're to do. Put off, put on. But do you know what? Some of these old behaviours have come as perhaps co coping mechanisms for things that we've been through. The reason I picked desires and behaviour to look at is because a lot of these are linked in with desires and behaviour. So often a behaviour that we're struggling with comes because of a wound or a pain or a disappointment, something that's happened. And you might need help with that. You might need to be bringing that into the light asking for help. You know, in Galatians, it also says, it says, bear one another's burdens. And because of we have a new heart, as, as Jesus has promised that through the new covenant, that he's writing his law within us. He's given us a heart of flesh, taken away the heart of stone. So we have a new heart. But we, we're in these bodies. Um, and it can take time for um, our minds to be renewed. We are works in progress and habits can take time to shift but we have Christ's empowering presence and we have more choices than we realise because of the Spirit and we can become unstuck and unhindered and we can keep moving upwards. The tra trajectory can be upwards and it should be and it will be in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's so much hope through life in the Spirit, through walking in the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit. So back to this, this verse about sowing. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the, the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So we have more choices than we realize because of the Spirit. There are things we can do to sow to the Spirit. It says in, in Romans, it says we, we no longer have an obligation to the flesh. In Romans 7, the old way of the law, we didn't have a choice. In Romans 8, we do. We are in the realm of the Spirit. Your choices matter. You choose to sow to the spirit or to the flesh. David Wilkerson says that walking in the spirit is three words. 
just say yes. But I think I would add to that, a walking in the spirit is just say yes or just say no, because your choices, our choices matter. Sowing to the flesh or sowing to the spirit in your situations, in your choices. Apparently, psychologists have said that, you know, we, on average, and I don't know how they work this out, we we make about 35,000 choices a day. Already you chose whether to come, whether to be here today, whether to have a piece of toast, whether to have a drink of orange, whether to have a coffee, where to sit. There's a lot of choices and choosing going on. And, you know, we can choose to sow to the flesh or we can choose to sow to the spirit. Choosing to invest into community. Choosing to prioritise things. Choosing to ask for help, maybe, if you need to. Choosing to reach out to others, to be vulnerable. Choosing to pray or not to pray. Choosing what you read, what you look at. Choosing whether to be grateful or not. Choosing whether to forgive yourself or others. Choosing whether to die to self or not. Whether to pick up that cross or not. And again, quoting Dallas Dallas Willard, he says, in the spiritual life, no one can afford to rest on their laurels. So no matter how long we are on the road, I think we need to always be thinking, are we, we, what what am I choosing in this? Am I choosing to sow to the spirit or to sow to the flesh? And in fact, in Galatians again, been in Galatians so much this week, um, Galatians 6, at the start, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also might be tempted. So Paul is saying to the person who lives by the Spirit, watch yourself, or you also might be tempted. So there is no place for resting in our laurels. Um, Spiritual warfare is real. And the enemy wants to get our eyes off Jesus, to distract us, to dishearten us, to make us feel hopeless, to keep us stuck. But we don't need to be stuck. But we, we can't really get unstuck on our own. We need to keep our eyes always on the Lord. And we might need to choose to sow to the Spirit. We might need to choose to ask someone for help to do something different. We might need to ask someone to pray with us. You know, when I'm working with people, I, I be thinking, and I sometimes have this conversation, I wonder what our non-negotiables are for your, your mental health. And what, what are your non-negotiables for your spiritual health or your physical health? But actually, what are our non-negotiables for, um, for our spiritual health as well? There are principles, um, that we, that we need to align with and choose. We sow to the Spirit to keep ourselves in spiritual health, to keep ourselves walking in the Spirit and in step with the Spirit. We keep our eyes always on the Lord. So whatever it is, I wonder, that most often could hinder you or keep you stuck or is sort of keeping your eyes off Jesus at the minute. I wonder, could we invite the Lord into it? 
I just want to share, um, hopefully if the sound works here, I have a video. <laughs> it's very short. But it's a girl who was stuck because of pain and wounds. But she just saw Jesus in the middle of it. Give it a go. And I can remember just being so embarrassed. I was hiding in the caravan. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't really care if I lived or died. I wasn't fussed. I couldn't cope with the reality of any of it. Um, and we were in a main meeting. Um, and there were about 11,000 people there. And I can remember everyone was singing. And I can remember thinking, I don't care. I just don't, I just want to die. I can't do it. Um, and then I had a picture in my head. And like I said, this is my story. It's not everyone's, but it's working to me. Um, and I was laying on the ground in the dirt. Um, I had mud all over my face, all over my body, and I was laying face down in the dirt. And I could see that a figure was walking towards me. I could see some feet walking towards me. And I was thinking, that's a bit of weird. And, um, so I had my eyes closed. And then, this, and then I thought, if this person tells me to stand up, then I'm not going to stand up because I'm held by the energy. Um, but actually, this person then sat down next to me in my kind of vision thing. Um, sat down next to me um, and then he laid down next to me and then he turned over and put his face in the dirt with me and just said um, whenever you're ready and I knew it was Jesus you know I, my faith hadn't been very strong before that it's just my story but he just said whenever you're ready and laid down in the dirt with me in the mess that I brought myself in with me um, and I think for me that was a really big turning point for your life does matter. Some, someone has seen that you're sitting in the middle of this 11,000 people and what you're thinking someone's seen that. I wasn't looking for it because, you know, I, didn't, I just wanted to die. I love that because that's the Jesus that came for me when I was in my mess and he rescued me and he cares and he loves us and he doesn't want us to be stuck and if you feel like you're stuck for whatever reason i mean with that girl it was her pain it was her wounding jesus cares and he comes in our mess and if we can begin to cry out to him even in the middle of that that's the god that he is he does not give up on us and you know she chose to go to new wine she chose to, uh, to believe Jesus. She chose to accept his love then. And she chose to take his hand and to go with him. And the journey after that actually was very hard. It wasn't a straight line. And there were many more times of just needing to cry out to Jesus in the middle of the mess. But Jesus brought her through that and into freedom and to flourishing and to fruit. And I believe that is what he wants for each one of us. He does not want us to be stuck. And he has given us his empowering presence, his spirit, to enable us to be able to walk in step with him, to be able to walk in the spirit. If we can just keep our eyes always on the Lord, 
That's the thing. That's the key to keep our eyes always on the Lord. I know in relationships, and, and I was um, on a course in relationships just a few weeks ago. In relationships, you can choose to turn towards each other or you can choose to turn away from each other. And it's good to press pause in relationships and to just to just say, how are we doing here? <laughs> and it's the same in our relationship with Jesus. To press pause and to just say, how am I doing here? Am I in step with the Spirit? Am I stuck? Am I in one of those ridges in the graph? Is there anything on the throne of my heart that is, that is occluding my view of Jesus? Is there anything stopping me, keeping my eyes always on the Lord? Is there anything getting between you and him? And with the Spirit helping us, we can turn towards him. A couple of people this week shared the same thing with me and it was just got my attention. And it was this image of Father God reaching out and his child reaching out. And I believe that he's reaching out with loving arms to help us, to help us get unstuck, to help us in our mess, to help us with whatever it is we're dealing with right now. Should it be a challenge, a distraction, a wound, a disappointment? cares of this world, the fear that you're feeling at times, the stuff that keeps you awake at night, whatever it is, the hopelessness that you feel or the shame that you feel, whatever it is, the same Jesus that came to that girl and revealed himself in the middle of her mess, in the middle of mud, <laughs> he's, he's the one that has his eyes upon us and he's reaching out. I'm just going to invite Sarah and Aaron and Daniel to, to come and to, to bring a song to us to help us just to get our eyes on Jesus. And let's in this moment press pause and let's turn towards him and refocus and refix our eyes on him. And just that, that lovely visualization that, that John Mark Comer does where he, where he visualizes Jesus and then he gives things over to him. Could we in this moment even do that? And just refocus on Jesus. Fix our eyes only on the Lord. <clears throat>